The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. A traditional power has promised us a turnaround this season, particularly on offense. Should usher in a new era of football. Or maybe it lasts 47 seconds. Chuck Oliver Show on a Monday. I hope everyone is having just a tremendous start to your week. Thank you for coming here for a little bit of conversation uh, about college football. It's March. There's no real college football been played for two months. There won't be any, like, real college football played for about another five and a half months. And, Dan, look up week zero. Uh, There won't be any more college football played for about five and a half months. But we're here. And, boy, is there a bunch to talk about. Including a promised turnaround in Coral Gables, Mario Cristobal. And I will say there is a new hustle. There's a new facet to the hustle for college head coaches because it used to be you'd get to year four or five and things aren't working, so you start firing coordinator or coordinators, and then it kind of resets it, but now it's on you. Well, you can fire a coordinator after one year. Clark Lee, do y'all know this? Clark Lee, he was, we got hired as head coach, started his first August practice, fired his offensive, I'm sorry, demoted his offensive coordinator to wide receivers coach. That's all you're going to do now. Go concentrate on wide receivers. Demoted his OC after a week of fall camp. Well, you can do whatever you want. <clears throat> And so now, as like I said, the trend is, you want to make a change? <laughs> Rock on. Mario Cristobal, not only a very high profile, and if you care about this part, and I don't really, this not my school, uh, very expensive hire for Miami. <laughs> That's their money. But um, it was very high profile, and he came with, a, uh, I mean, a resume. The guy put good football on the field at FIU. And they're like, we think we're better. And they fired him. (laughs) More about that later in the show. But Oregon and then, bam, you know Mario Cristobal and Miami. And I'm sitting here right now after watching them go five and seven amid just a general breakdown in everything they did last year. And there were injuries. Well, you're Miami. Overcome. Best next man up. It only goes so far in football. I know that. You can get to the point you're like, ain't no next man up. But you don't have a choice. Otherwise, you're just giving very valid, not excuses, but reasons that you went five and seven. And the bottom line is we didn't bring you here to go five and seven. 
So whether you got to lay hands, like go old Southern, whatever, I'm going to lay hands on the team and they're going to get better, or you just go complete sorcery, wizardry. I don't care. Get a Ouija board out. I, we didn't bring it here to go five and seven. Mario Cristobal went five and seven. And after his first year, you can't say he cleaned house because that's not what happened. But Josh Gaddis was fired, won the award for the best assistant coach in all of college football in 2021 at Michigan, hired away from Michigan to Miami. I'd rather live in Coral Gables or anywhere down there than Michigan. I'd rather live anywhere in Florida than anywhere in Michigan. So, but the commute, it's fine. I'll buy a helicopter. I'm, I'm Josh Gaddis. I just got broke off. So I'm the number one assistant in America, and then I last one season, and I'm gone. Now, that was offense. Kevin Steele, he kind of left on his own. And when I said, you know, living anywhere in Florida is better than living anywhere in Michigan, that's true. I think coaching at Miami – being employed as a coach at the University of Miami, I think I, w- I would rank that head of being a coach at Michigan, but as far as the actual coaching itself, Michigan's run like a pro franchise. It's just, it's a professional outfit up there, man. Money, I don't know, sunshine, whatever. He leaves one year, fired. Now, after Kevin Steele left, then I, various dominoes started falling, including Charlie Strong having a very public, yeah, I ain't good with this. I quit. Kevin Smith left. Another guy left, I'm trying to remember. They had a shakeup, man. Jason Taylor's on the staff now. Like, the real staff. Like, on the field when the football comes out and it's called practice. Oh, that Jason Taylor. Whatever. Staff shakeup. Overhaul, cleaned house, whatever the order it happened in. Mario Cristobal kind of got free reign. Hire who you want. Get in the contracts you want. Spend the money. Here's the money. Plenty of money. Go get who you want. And he got Josh Gaddis and Kevin Steele a year later. He doesn't have Josh Gaddis or Kevin Steele. And then he has a couple of other coaches who have left. And so now it's been like probably half the staff. Actually, No, there's 10, and I'm thinking six out of the 10 are new. And he just got to create that himself. And now six of 10 are new after one year? Said Kevin Steele, he left. I get that. Going to Alabama. I can win a ring this very year. I have no chance of winning. Miami's not going to win a national championship this year. So uh, he career, maybe he familiarity with Saban, maybe he recognizes that everything in Tuscaloosa is done like, as if it's the 33rd franchise. In Miami, it's crazy town. And again, Mario Cristobal, for whatever set this in motion, you just got a big, fat, giant checkbook and free reign. And a year later, if my math is right, it's either five or six, and I think it's six out of ten. And you put that staff together, brother. I'm a big Mario Cristobal fan, but I'm just re- – and by the way, what opinion have I given yet? If you have an issue with someone reciting facts, truth, like reading your driver's license, well, that's on you. All right, now the opinion part. Who he has brought in, Shannon Dawson, love it. 
And that is where, and we could talk about the defense, and we will later. And we could talk about what a uh, couple of new coaches on the defensive line or defensive front, at least, pass rush. We can talk about that, and we will later. We'll get Joe Zagacki on. We'll have John Michaels in studio, and then I'll have to buy him lunch afterwards, but you'll get good Miami information, so it'll be worth it. We'll do all of this to who else? David Lake will come on. It'll be awesome Miami information. You know all about the defense. I'm talking about Shannon Dawson and something that is different about him than most of us have any sort of understanding when it comes to, quote, the air raid system. Because, oh, if they brought in an air raid guy from Houston, then that's true. Shannon Dawson is the air raid guy from Houston. All right, close your eyes. Sh- uh, air raid, what do you think? Okay, I just opened my eyes. I think how Mummy's still with the towel around his neck. And it was a good look, man. It would be like the gray Kentucky sweatshirt with the 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 blue collar from the golf shirt up and the shades with the little croquis on and he looked like uh he was like a 40 year old frat guy except he got to coach sec football that was air raid and it was tim couch throwing a bunch of eight yard passes that is not shannon dawson he goes deep and it's a giant promised turnaround and we think we know what that is with the air raid and shannon dawson is a little different he aggressive with it when I say that a traditional power has promised us to turn around this season, especially on offense, and maybe that happens or maybe it lasts 47 seconds. Do you remember 2018? I heard all offseason. Brian McClendon, the new South Carolina OC, it's going to be different to turn around. We're going to play boogie ball. We're going to hurry up. Now, the first week against Coastal Carolina, of course, we don't want to show anything, so we're just going to be our sort of conservative between the tackles. But next week, we're going to unleash it. Got the opening possession. Jake Bentley completed a pass for seven yards, threw an incomplete pass. Georgia committed a penalty. Bentley threw another incomplete pass and then threw a pick six. 47 seconds into the game, it was 7-0 Georgia, and you could already tell this is not going to work today. It got abandoned. (laughs) By the next possession, run, run, incomplete, punt. I needed to, and they never went back to it, and what we were promised all offseason never really even materialized. Uh, All right, so Jim Nagy. Senior Bowl, Executive Director, recent Senior Bowl. I think he's in Columbia, South Carolina today for a pro, uh, pro day and personal workouts and all that. And so when it comes to NFL almost stars, particularly from the South, who better to talk to than Jim Nagy? That's next on the Chuck Oliver Show. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Welcome back to the Chuck Oliver Show on this Monday. And the Combine's all wrapped up and we're having pro days go on. Folks, we got the NFL draft just around the corner. And so this is like the last few weeks where our college stars, well, they're still kind of college stars. Want to welcome on right now. Guy who knows all about folks heading to the NFL draft. Two decades as an NFL scout. Now about five, six years. Been in charge of everything down in Mobile. Executive director of the Senior Bowl. It is Jim Nagy. Jim, welcome back, amigo. How you been? 
I'm doing great, Chuck. Good to be back on. Well, I appreciate you making some time. A lot of things to talk about. Uh, and I want to jump right into this. A lot of times we think the first round and really the first few rounds, um, a position group can sort of make a draft, uh, a run on quarterbacks in 83. We've seen wide receivers, left tackles, et cetera. What position group do you think has the most value and maybe the most impact, a position group that can kind of take over this draft? Well, there was a couple on the offensive side of the ball heading into this pre-draft process that, that we felt good about for the senior bowl and the, and the juniors as well, and that's running back and tight end. There's good depth at both of those. But another position that's really kind of elevated during the pre-draft process um, is the cornerback spot. You know, there was, there was a group of corners here uh, in Mobile that, you know, thought to be fringe top 100, fourth, fifth round type guys that all ended up running better on our zebra technology stuff. Um, zebra technologies is the, the player tracking data. The NFL yeah. uses that. So it's, it's apples to apples. Um, so a guy like Darius rush, who's got his pro day here today. It's in uh, Columbia, South Carolina was our fastest player at the senior bowl. And there was a speed concern coming in. Um, then he was the fastest guy in mobile. And then he ran four, three, six at the combine. So that, that corner group has elevated. Uh, talk a little bit about Darnell Washington. Uh, is he somebody that you think is a legit first round, uh, prospect? And I, I, that's all subject to, you know, the team and the need and the coach and everything else. But he's a guy that I thought of as a blocker who they would like, let him eat a little bit on some short dump offs. That wasn't what it was last year. He really developed in year three. Yeah, he did. And I do think he, I do think he'll go in the first round. He's a guy that Going back to my time with the Patriots, they, Coach Belichick always re, used to refer to guys that, that don't grow on trees. Um, and Darnell Washington certainly doesn't grow on trees. So he's the, you know, there was there was a tight end last in last year's draft, went in the fourth round, Woods out of Virginia, um, went to the Indianapolis Colts, had a good rookie year, big, tall, little lumbering, you know, not the smoothest athlete, but when you get guys that are six foot seven, they're not going to be no. the smoothest athletes. Um, but so a yeah, guy's success like that in, in Washington, I think if you, if you pulled all 32 teams, he, he's far more talented than Woods was. So, um, and Woods is a good player. Um, so yeah, I do think he goes in the first round. He's going to give you that, that presence on the line of scrimmage that a lot of teams are looking for. Um, and then in the red zone, you know, the guy, ran, the guy ran well at the combine. He ran in the four sixes at, at his size. And uh, just that size and that catch radius in the red zone, I, I think that's going to merit a first-round pick. We're talking former college stars about to be NFL players with the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. It is Jim Nagy. Uh, let's talk a little bit of quarterbacks. Uh, Stetson Bennett, um, where does he sit right now as far as the sliding? I think like way like the priority, like the first seven priorities is can you help us win on Sunday? Uh, but as far as maybe the other stuff, the size, the speed, the off-field, if that is a th just where do you think Stetson Bennett lives right now with NFL front offices? You know, going into the year, Chuck, he was an undrafted free agent for, for basically all the teams, even in the November um, for the Senior Bowl. We do we reach out to over half the league before we kind of set our roster and send our invites out. Um, and Stetson was a guy that as late as November, a lot of teams had free agent grades on. Um, you know, and then and then as we got through the college football playoff, and we we're we we're putting our our roster together, and a couple quarterbacks that we invited, like Bo Nix from Oregon, went back to school. So we had another quarterback need. And then when I reached back out about Stetson Bennett, teams had elevated him. He was in that you know mostly sixth and seventh round range. Uh, one team we spoke yeah. with had a fifth round had a fifth round grade on him, but 
Um, so it'll be interesting. We, I think everyone, you know, most people, most listeners know um, what happened with Stetson in Dallas, of, you know, about a month ago um, off the field incident. So I think a lot of it's going to be determined how he's doing in these interviews um, at the combine, how he did there. He, he certainly threw it well at the combine. I thought he had a nice quarterback workout. Um, but, you know, that, that incident that popped up, that raised some red flags. So we'll see. I think he's going to be somewhere later day three. Um, and I do think he's talented enough to stick in the league. I've told people a nine-step drop, just because you don't hear that phrase, it is a real thing. Um, Anthony Richardson, where is he right? And it gets, I don't even want to talk should he have gone. He's gone. He's in the draft, and he's going to be an early pick. What do you think an NFL team gets with AR? You know, we actually just watched a bunch of the junior quarterbacks, um, a, lot, a lot of junior quarterback tape last week, and he's, he, he's not as big a project as I thought he was coming in. So I, I, was, I was in Gainesville last spring speaking to the team, um, about the draft process, um, and I stuck around for a couple of days and watched practice. And and uh, Anthony's physical tools are undeniable. I mean, this guy's got stuff that we haven't seen, and maybe since Cam. I mean, again, I wouldn't equate his his game to Cam. The more I've watched him, Cam was a really dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. Anthony's more of a chain mover and a home run hitter. He doesn't have the run instincts that Cam did, so I wouldn't I wouldn't make that comparison. But physically, the body type is, is probably the closest thing we've seen since Cam. Um, but he's not as far off as I thought he was. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. He's, uh, you know, a guy ideally you can sit for a year. You know, if you're the Detroit Lions with two first-round picks or the Seattle Seahawks with two first-round picks, um, and you're looking maybe to move off Jared Goff or, or Geno Smith in a year or two, he, he might be the perfect pick. So, uh, again, I don't think you would want him on the field year one, but, man, does he, he can throw it, he can run it. Guys fall off him. He's so big and strong. So um, I don't think he gets out of the top. 15 picks wrapping up Jim Nagy executive director Reese's senior bowl uh, I'm gonna go way back now when I was growing up I was like a second or third grader I was watching my team play the Atlanta Falcons and I remember thinking man when they block for Steve Bartkowski he's a pretty good quarterback and it turns out like all these years later Jim uh that's that's still true uh I saw two sample sets with Will Levis one sample set was the 2021 season when they kind of blocked for him um tell me where you think the real will levis is yeah that's a tough one again we we went back and watched a lot of will's tape as well because we we didn't you know we watched a bunch over the summer watched that junior tape and then he was a no-brainer for us you know we 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 were gonna have we invited will and that was an easy one for us but i didn't watch a lot of tape from the fall and you're right the offensive line play had had dropped off you know and there was a difference when chris rodriguez was in the backfield and when he wasn't you know he was a guy that really gave them something to work off in the past game but yeah will uh, you know watching the two guys i think i think you're closer to getting richardson on the field than levis at, at the nfl level that's kind of where i was coming out of that project last week and and again before that i maybe would have thought differently uh, you know will's will similar he's got all the tools those were the two guys levis and richardson leaving the manning camp in thibodeau this summer that were head and shoulders above the rest of the guys in terms of what they have, you know, God given ability. Um, but I think, I think Levis is a year or two off as well. I think, uh, you know, the, the coordinator change, the offensive line, whatever it might be, he just looked unsettled. He's a guy that going back and watching the tape, he just didn't look comfortable all season. Yep. Two more questions for Jim Nagy, uh, Jalen Carter. Tell me where he is now versus maybe a month ago in your if you are in like random NFL front office, you give me your best guess or what you know the effect or is there one over the past month with Jalen Carter? 
Well, you know, that was a, a big talk in Indianapolis a couple weeks ago at the Combine. And all that, you know, the the the, the speeding incident, all, all that uh, came out when we were in Indy. So, obviously, he was kind of the talk of the town then. Um, uh, you know, his consensus, and I haven't spent a lot of time watching Jalen Carter tape yet. I want to I want to get into that. Um, but talking around, talking to friends around the league, he is, um, you know, he is probably the the top two or three most talented guys in this year's draft. Now there there now there's other things to consider. You know, is is, is you know you got to question decision making, and this is kind of a pattern. I just saw something on social media yesterday where where he got pulled over going 89 and a 45. So um, they're digging in deep on that. I think the talent's undeniable, and, and he's at a premium position. You. If you look at what Deron Payne just got paid by the Washington Commanders, four years, $90 million. That That shows you the premium that these teams are putting on interior defensive linemen that can get to the quarterback. So, uh, again, I think t- top two or three most talented guys in the draft, how far all this stuff off the field pushes him down, um, that's, that's always a guessing game. But I, I couldn't see him outside the top ten. That might be hard to see him get to fall outside the top ten. All right, last thing, Jim Nagy, Executive Director, Reese's Senior Bowl. And this was, I guess, Friday. Buddy of mine's like, oh, my gosh, you see the Panthers? Who are they going to select? And I said, I a quarterback. I was like, that's all. I, you don't trade up to get a wide receiver or left tackle. Not that. Um, so do you agree with that, that the only thing you trade that bounty for is a QB? And which one will it be? Yeah, it's it's going to be a quarterback. You, you got to think that. Now there's different now there's different voices in the in the building now too. You know, it, it Ben Scott Fitter, the the general manager, and and uh, David Tepper, the owner, is going to have a say in this. We 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 know that. Anyone that that knows David Tepper's background, he is he is going to have some influence over this pick as well. But but now you have Frank Reich and you have Josh McCown, and so you bring all these guys that that have quarterback backgrounds. It'll be interesting to see where they shake out. I mean, they've said there there isn't just one guy they went up for. They'd be they'd be comfortable with with multiple guys in this class. And now they kind of hold the now they they hold the keys to this draft. And and they they say they could move out and trade down if if they feel like they could still get one of the guys they want. But it was certainly a quarterback. If they've, they've kind of put a bandaid on that and tried a lot of different fixes with Baker and, and Darnold and, and a bunch of guys over the last couple of years. Um, and David Tepper is not a patient man. And, uh, you know, I think they need to find that quarterback and find him soon. So, um, certainly that's the direction I'm sure they're going to go. Win the MVP in his game, get a giant crystal bowl full of Reese's peanut butter cups. It's not a bad deal, folks. <laughs> Jim Nagy, thank you so much for your time, brother. All right, Chuck. Thanks for having me on. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest 
largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. I tell you every day, all week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. And I keep to that. I really do. I try to. The NCAA men's tournament bracket was announced last night, and I will say um, one of Auburn's most imperfect recent additions with Bruce Pearl. Um, all kinds of talent, all kinds of inconsistent, whatever. Um, I was watching it. Literally, the only thing that jumped out at me, I watched the entire thing, I was like, Auburn's in Birmingham? What a bone to throw for a team that was just, I, they kind of, you know, made their way through the season, had a lot of Close losses, a lot of close losses, but they had a lot of close losses. Like that, you know, that's part of what you do. You focus and drive and make the show. I was like, wow. So sudden, I'm a really talented team that's that comfortable. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm we're going to talk football. I'm going to start with a basketball question because I bet he has an opinion. From inside the Auburn Tigers, it is Jason Caldwell. Jason, how you doing on this Monday, brother? I'm good, Chuck. How about you? Uh, I'm good. I was the seeds and who was the one and who was going to get left. None of that. Even I was like, Oh, this kind of makes sense. I was like, wow, look at Auburn. Um, that was a bone to throw. Uh, did you have any reaction when you saw that that was going to be the case? Yeah, I was shocked to be quite honest. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I've seen people mentioning it, but I'm like, you know, that's something that they do in, in the women's tournament to try to sell tickets. You don't really have to do that in, um, the men's tournament. And, but, but the, they put Auburn as, as a nine in Birmingham, and if I was Iowa and Houston, I, I would not be real happy about that. Um, you know, see, it, it's happened some, uh, but it's 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 become more and more rare. But Auburn got a, I mean, they got a uh, got a pretty good present to see if they can open it and take advantage of it here. You know, this this next week. All right, well, let's talk about spring practice, et cetera. And I want to start with some positive. And I was going to talk about this a little bit last week, but I was never able to. Um, we've talked about three giant grown men coming in on the offensive line, and they've all got first-team reps so far, whatever that, whatever you care about that in March. But uh, there's also a new O-line coach, and there seems to be a new approach. And I've asked you specifically about I mentioned this to everybody else. I've been, like, looking for the last Reese Dismukes, the guy who is tough and mean and nasty but also can play at the SEC level. Um, there just needed to be a complete overhaul. And this, you know, change is just change, but this looks like it can really be better, and there's some substance here for 2023. What is your opinion of the new coach, the approach, the players, all that? Yeah, you know, Jake Thornton is a guy that I think did a really good job at Ole Miss with that offensive line group. And, you know, this is a, a group that um, you now have some, some bodies to work with. And, and that's the thing is, is you know, they were going to be left with nothing. And, and so they went out and added three transfers, a junior college player and Isaiah Miller that I think has a chance to be a really good player, potentially a starter at one of the tackle spots. And, you know, you bring in some key guys, you got some returners back, and a guy like Jeremiah Wright that I think, has NFL ability on the offensive line that 
kind of had a stunted growth period after playing defense his first year and then had an injury in year two. And so just kind of catching up. But there's some pieces in place on that offensive line. And now scheme-wise, you you do some things that, that help them out instead of trying to, to line up and, and you know, in, in, in almost in an eye formation and running the football and doing some things they've done the last couple of years. You get back to spreading the field and doing some tempo, and those things can help out an offensive line. So I think they're looking forward to it. Uh, the Auburn passing game, and I'm just talking approach-wise, um, it has been from Gus, which was all screens and shot plays, to Bobo looking around and being frustrated. I mean, it's just been a really inconsistent passing game. Um, how soon do you think Hugh Freeze can have this just looking like a modern college football passing offense? Yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously the goal. And, and you know, you're right. I think I think even under Bobo at times, there's – they did some really good things at times, but it became a, you know, a Brian Harson kind of playing again, old school football a little bit and really kind of hampered them in a lot of ways. And then, then last year, you know, basically when, when they fired Brian Harson and moved Will Friend in offense coordinator, they had to just basically just cut down the offense to the bare bones. And that took away a lot of the passing game and it worked out for them. That's what they needed to do. Um, but it really, you know, hurt Robbie Ashford down the stretch when you're, you're just not throwing it very much. And so um, now you get a chance to go into an offensive system that hey, did wonders for a guy like Malik Willis. Malik Willis wasn't a very good passer when he left Auburn and in a couple of years turned into a pretty good quarterback at Liberty. And so now you look and see him and Philip Montgomery and, and those guys, how much can they add and, and get it moving forward heading in summer and then build on that heading into the season. Uh, give me an opinion of a receiver on this roster that you would say, guys, it's just because of the inconsistency with the quarterback. It's just, if he had had it, this guy can break out. He really is talented. He's like, you can, there are some guys that just couldn't win at the line or weren't fast enough or whatever. Who's a guy that you look at and go, no, I think he really was a victim of circumstance last year. Yeah, I think probably Camden Brown. He was a, he was a true freshman, so you know it would have been difficult anyway. But Camden Brown has the look of those guys that he frees one with at Ole Miss. You know, physical receiver, six two, you know, two hundred pounds, a guy that can can be physical enough to get off the line of scrimmage, but also can make plays with the ball in the air. And so, Camden Brown's to me is a guy that I I think has a chance to be a kind of a breakout type performer for this offense. What about Philip Montgomery and his approach? Because uh, I know what he likes to do. <laughs> and I know that uh, I've seen Robbie Ashford in, like, very, very narrow windows look like a downfield sort of guy. Um, there have been, like, just a few passes that stand out. The Iron Bowl one is the one that everybody would remember. Uh, but I know what Phil Montgomery wants to do. How do you think you mesh that with if, if, if Robbie Ashford's the QB? Yeah, you know. He's a guy that had had a 300-yard passing day against LSU during the middle of the year and had a 287 or so against Arkansas. So he had a couple of games where he did some good things throwing the football. And you know, The arm talent's there. It's a matter of kind of honing it in um, from a fundamental standpoint, footwork, all those things that, you know, last year, the first year, you had a chance to even take a snap in college. But now you go back and go, okay, here's what's good. Here's what we need to improve on and see how much you can get done between now and then. Uh, Auburn has returning talent at running back, and I, I, this this shocked me a little bit. I mean, you were you know there every single day, so maybe it didn't. But I had folks last year looking at Jarquez Hunter and going, eh, he might actually be the special one here. 
Uh, well, we will have an opportunity to find out this year. What is your opinion on Jarquez Hunter and what the blue sky is for that kid? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go a little old school, Chuck, but he, it, now I'm not throwing him in the same group, but it, it reminds me a little bit of Brent Fullwood behind Bo Jackson. And obviously, Tank's not Bo, and Brent, but you're a guy that you saw glimpses of and you go, okay, what can that guy be when it's his job every day? And, and Jarquez Hunter is an explosive guy that runs and runs much bigger than his size. So there's some similarities for me. And so, uh, he's a guy that I think has a chance to to be a really good guy, really good running back in this scheme, and um, I think he can be a home run threat. And you know that's something that is a big deal for an offense. So yeah, he's uh, he's he's the ultimate teammate, the guy that that everybody says he does all the right things all the time, and uh, now he's going to get an opportunity. Yeah, as I'm go running through my mind, and I didn't look it up, I promise, but uh, I, I was a freshman Brent Fullwood's final year, and I think he averaged like eight and a half yards a carry and became a first-round draft pick. So if that happens for Jarquez, I think that'll work out for Auburn fans. Um, yeah. Last yeah, thing I want to ask play, you about. Uh, and he also had to return kicks and all that. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb, I'm sure you eyeballed him in person, probably going back to when he was, you know, 15 or 14 or 13. Um is he a guy that may have a role this year? Yeah, no, you're, you're right, Chuck. I think I saw him for the first time, the first game of his sophomore year, and um, he does everything. That's the thing about him. He's he's a guy that can play wide receiver. He's got that good of hands. So he brings you that that extra dimension of a guy that can be a, a dynamic receiver out of the backfield, um, good runner, does all those things well. And so, yeah, I think he's a guy that can can – absolutely, you know, find his niche and his role for this team um, as a true freshman. Well, I always appreciate the input, Jason. It's always good stuff, man. I assume enjoy the uh, very short trip to Birmingham and uh, see how it turns out, brother. Absolutely. Thanks, Chuck. All right, Jason Caldwell. That's what it is. Uh, All right, I went ahead and looked. 1986, uh, Brent Fullwood. Did I say eight and a half yards? 8.3 yards of carry. I did not make that up. 8.3 yards per carry. And that was the first year post-Bo. And remember, Bo played four years. Woo, he stayed for his senior year. He didn't have any choice. He played four years. See, that was sort of the recent advent. Because you could only play three years because freshmen weren't eligible. Like, O.J. Simpson, he went to – well, he went to – City College anyway, and then transferred to use. But, like, coming out of high school in 1965, you couldn't go play running back for four years. You could redshirt, then play three years. And then in 71, two, three, uh, freshmen could play. So, off and running for four years. And that lasted for about 15 seasons until Barry Sanders said, Hey, I liked that um, three-year thing. Okay, so you want a red shirt again? No, I have another idea how to play three years. I'm only here three years. Oh, well, that didn't work so well for us. Yeah, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Sue me. And the NFL is like, okay. So Brent Fullwood, as Jason said, you don't know. You, everybody knows Bo Jackson, and for some people, like David's our board op, that Bo's the guy he's heard about, and he watched the thirty for thirty, and I've heard he was a really great player. Um, that's all he may know about Bo Jackson. You don't know anything about Brent Fullwood. 
Brent Fullwood, it was exactly what Jason Caldwell said. Three years of not being as good as Bo Jackson, which it happens. Started one season, 167 carries, 1,391 yards. Average 8.3 yards carry. And first-round draft pick. I don't know if that awaits Jarquez, but... I talked to Jason about this last year. I was like, hey, what do you think about Jarquez? Because I had looked at it myself, and I was like, man, if that kid got some more run. And I thought that when he was that weird sort of like month in October into November, do you remember? Like two years ago, I was like, hey, what happened to him? Where's Tank? And Jarquez, you were like, okay, he's got a role here. So you kind of wonder how special the kid may be. And if he's going to stay or transfer or what, and that's a constant thought now because you can even be happy. And you know, Jordan Addison, he won the Blitnikoff Award. Getting action, getting his touches, getting his numbers. Hi, I'm I'm available. So you just wonder, Jarquez didn't leave. And so all those times, these past two years, you're looking at him going, I think him last year, as I'm thinking, what if he actually was the feature guy? I think it was J.G. Tate we had on was the first guy who was like, I think Jarquez may be more special. I was like, really? Then we talked about, I remember Jason, had Brian Matthews on. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, Jarquez. And, and not one. There are, there were, I'm not going to say any issues with Tank. There were time like the sideline thing with Ryad, kids fight. But there, as far as Jarquez, 100% positive all the time. Not even anything that has context and you can explain away and it was perfectly harmless. You don't have anything like that. And he's this ridiculously strong kid who can be the bell cow. And if you're looking, well, who's going to help out? Well, we got a transfer from South Florida, and I think he's going to mostly return kicks and maybe slot out and things like that. All right, well, who else? Well, we got this kid who's coming back, played a little bit last year as a true freshman, but he's really slight, and he's more of a, I don't say water bug guy, but kind of a water bug guy. All right, well, who else? Well, we got true freshman. Well, what's he do? Well, he does everything. And everything could include being a receiver, actually in the, out wide perimeter. He would be a slot guy. He can be the Ricardo Lewis role, which that is a specific role. And even though Gus is long gone and having his own success and good for him, the Ricardo Lewis role, the Jay Prosh role, Jay Prosh may have had like, I don't know, five carries all season. Wow. There was no more Jay Prosh after he left. Chandler Cox, fantastic. But it was just different. Uh, there was no Ricardo Lewis. Nobody who did that ex- exactly at the level he did all of that stuff. That may be a Jeremiah Cobb thing. I don't know. But Tank was not only a year older and also the starter and the more experienced and proven and all that other than the team leader and the guy that you had looked at and said, if you'll stay, we promise you we'll do all these things. Um, Tank was a big, physical, grown man. He wasn't Tank because of his size. Everybody knows that. But he was a thick, ridiculously strong guy as well. Jarquez is different, sort of strong. And he's smaller. And so as sort of the change-up, it was fantastic. Well, he's the lead dog now. And it's not like they're, at least right now, you don't identify anybody you look at and go, okay, you can help out because you're big and physical as well. So that's what it is. We'll see how 8.3 yards to carry. Set the over-under. 
over or under 8.3 yards per carry uh, for Jarko. And then like the 10th overall pick or whatever that was the Packers did with him. All right, we're going to break, come back, wrap up this hour one next. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Kind of like Christmas, kind of going around and seeing what kind of present you have out there on the football field. We kind of had an idea about the guys in the offseason program, but uh, it was nice to see them go out there, uh, the new guys. And I mean guys that haven't played a whole lot that were here last year as well. That was really nice to see them play football. Safe. Sam Pittman, Arkansas head coach, and I got one of the nicest, most genuine folks you'd ever run across. I say, nice safe. He uh, is talking about well, spring practice has started, and he's commenting on it's great to get out there and see the new kids. It's like, oh, and by the way, it's good to see, you know, everybody who's here last year and didn't play a whole lot, and they're, I'm excited for them too, but I'm really excited to see the new kids. Uh, among the new kids that he is interested in saying, it's about as diverse a source for three transfer wide receivers as you're going to find. But, and that's because they lost so much talent there. I mean, we remember Jaden Hazelwood transferred in, and he had already transferred at least once. I remember it twice, but he transferred once. Uh, Matt Landers had transferred, this was his second transfer. Landers was a big recruit out of, I think, Texas, maybe. Had gone to the University of Georgia and then to Toledo or Akron or Dayton or somewhere in the MAC. And boy, is that dismissive. But eh. Warren Thompson had transferred in. And they're all gone. Keetron Jackson, gone. So they're all gone. Top four wide receivers. Other people catch passes. The top four wide receivers, gone. Three transfers brought in. If I again, I don't know that you could find as diverse a group here. One transfer receiver from Bowling Green, one from Hillsdale College, one from Texas A&M Commerce. Dan almost went to Texas A&M Commerce. He was on the fence. He decided, mm, no, I'll go another direction. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but you have Bowling Green, which while in the MAC. It's it's Division One, man. Do you know Hillsdale College? Doesn't that sound like where, like, Zach and Slater were considering going their senior year? <laughs> like it was the backdrop on uh, another world. I, I I don't know. And then Texas A and M Commerce, and they put some guys in the NFL, but that's an FCS level school. That's who they brought in, and he's like, it's good to see him out here because. When a guy plays for Hillsdale College, it's one camera angle, and it's like on the tripod on top of the press box. And so as you get down to about the 30, 20, 10-yard line, yeah, maybe he zooms, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he actually gets the receiver. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe there's a – no, actually there isn't an all-22. At Hillsdale College, probably not. So you're bringing in a player – Maybe there's tape on him. Maybe not. 
So that's what Sam Pittman's talking about. Uh, Dan, how is uh, your your Monday? I can confirm that far Metro Northeast Dallas was not necessarily in my collegiate plans. Uh, I really wanted to stay in Central Texas, uh, you know, a little bit closer to Houston, but far enough away to be able to get away from the family and uh, be able to grow a little bit. So that's how I settled on Seguin, Texas. So Bonsai. There we go. Um, all right. So it is the off season, and we get headlines like this. Now, I'm not going to tell you the outlet. I'm not going to tell you who it is. All we need to know is that we have this person on a few times, and I'm not really going after this person. But the headline is, though it is not on the horizon, Nick Saban shares what will eventually push him into retirement. I immediately go into a little bit of, I'm not even going to say a fit of rage, Chuck, but I think that more or less it's a severe head shaking because the head shaking for me is, why do we continue to do this? I know the answer of why, but I just don't really understand of why we want to did you ever, were you ever told as a kid, don't grow up too fast? Like, like actually like be a kid, like, like don't like want to jump to being an adult because there is going to be a little bit of regret. And I think some of us, once we get older, we're like, damn, being a kid wasn't so bad. I think that a lot of us are going to look at the Nick Saban tenure the same way is we keep trying to push him into retirement. We keep trying to, because I guess if nothing else, winning multiple national championships, multiple SECs and having dominant seasons has kind of gotten boring and mundane for some. It is not for me because when you have greatness like Alabama has had for the better part of the last 15 years, I want to continue to see it because I think a lot of us, while we were going through it with USC in the mid 2000s with Pete Carroll, you said, oh, man, not them. Like, I I don't like them. Like, don't don't let them do this. And then all of a sudden, once the winning stopped and he went to the NFL, we were all like, oh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What what happened to USC? Like, where are they now? I think a little bit of that's going to happen. And I think if nothing else, some of us are going to have some of that regret of, ooh, we didn't really get to enjoy them like we probably should have. Yeah, uh, being a kid, my gosh, I never had to be anywhere. I never had and had to be anywhere. Like, no eight-year-old has ever, no, 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 I'm looking at my schedule. It's Teddy Graham's at four, and I have to be riding bikes by 430. Uh, like, n- no no eight-year-old is stressed out by the calendar. Uh, that is the best thing uh, about being a kid. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. 
spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.